So with the COVID restrictions lifted, mostly because of the vaccinations, it's back to school time, not just for elementary and high school students, but for university students too. Most first-year university students who leave home end up in residence. If they're like my son, who's going into his second year, they want to try something different than the residence for the second year. They want to live in a house or an apartment with friends. Yep, it's party time. It's a bit of a chore finding the right place for our kids to live in. In the long run, a lot of us parents are fine with our kids moving in with each other. There are also some of us parents who have thought, wouldn't it be a great idea if we bought the property as an investment? Then we get the best of both worlds. The kids have a great place to live and we have a great investment. Have you ever thought about investing in a university town? I'm Desmond Brown and today on Sold in the Six, I'm going to speak to a parent who did. Jeff and Kim Iwamoto have four children. One is still in high school, two have already graduated from university, and one is currently at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Today I'm going to be speaking to Jeff, who bought an investment property in a university town. So Jeff, welcome to Sold in the Six. Thanks, Des. Thanks for having me. Jeff, tell us about your three kids and their university housing situations. Okay, well, Lauren's the oldest, and she went to Carleton in Ottawa and spent all four years in residence. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael was at Western. He was in residence the first two years and then had a house for the last two. And Chris is currently in a, in a house after spending uh, the first year in residence. Okay, so I guess with, with your kids, like most of the... Uh... You know, most of our kids who go to university, they have their first year in residence, of course. Um, and in Lauren's case, she was in residence all the way through. But then they start saying after the first year, I want to get a place with, a place with my friends and so on. Um, did you have that same experience with yours? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, they all wanted to move out with their buddies and, and <clears throat> be on their own. So that uh, was kind of what precipitated us thinking about uh, buying a, a rental property. Yeah. So why buying instead of, you know, just saying, OK, let's try to find your rental? Um, well, I think, you know, for a couple of reasons, we thought uh, an investment in, in real estate was a good thing just based on where the economies were going. And, um, you know, with COVID sort of shutting a lot of things down, um, we thought it might be a good chance to, to grab something when the market was a little bit depressed. But so that that's sort of what started the whole thing. And, and originally we thought, well, we try and get something for Chris in, in the Queens area. And you introduce, introduce us to a really, really terrific agent, uh, Wendy McAdoo in Queens, in Kingston. Yeah, yeah, in Kingston. That's right. So you're a detail guy. And um, I know you definitely get very, very deep into, you know, all of the things that may come up if you were going to be buying a property. So tell us about that search. Well, I think number one is, is that this day and age is fantastic because you can do everything online. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas when we bought our family residence back in whatever it was, 97, you know, you have to go house to house to house to look at all these properties. So you get everything online. And so I created a spreadsheet and uh, entered all the properties that were candidates. And, and I probably looked at 70, 80 properties between uh, Kingston and then London as well, uh, mm -hmm. and started to learn about cap rates and, and 
uh, you know, cash on cash and this type of stuff and terminology, which I still don't understand, but it kind of, it kind of helped me make comparisons between properties and eventually you get to narrow it down as to uh, what would be good candidates to, to put an offer in. Yeah. So I know most people are looking at when they look at investment properties, they want to at least break even on it and, you know, hopefully gain the appreciative value over the years on this. Um, what, what, what were you looking at when you were buying? Did you want a profit right away? Uh, pretty much. We weren't really prepared to break even and hope that the economy was going to take uh, the properties uh, up in value. So we were looking for positive cash flow. Mm-hmm. And we started in Kingston with Wendy. And, and again, I'll reiterate, she's a fantastic agent. Uh, but what I learned about Kingston was they really do have a Queens ghetto and those houses are not uh, the best and they're difficult to convert to, uh, in other words, say add a basement in because the basements were low ceilings, a lot mm-hmm. of brick uh, bro- block, concrete block in the middle of the house. So it's kind of difficult to add stuff down there. So you lost that space. And so my wife said, well, why don't we look in London as well? Because Michael knows that market fairly well. So we started looking in London and found uh, ourselves to, that we could get better value in London for uh, the dollar, mm-hmm. uh, even though the rents were a bit lower in London. Okay, so for people out there who live in Toronto or, or are in Ontario, what type of price range are you looking at for, let's say, a four or five bedroom uh, student housing property? Uh, well, in Kingston, it was, geez, $600,000 and up. Mm-hmm. Uh, in London, you're probably looking at four and a half, five hundred thousand $500,000 and up. Um, uh, so what we ended up finding, though, is we ended up with a, a 10-bedroom house, which I love wow. the old field, Fieldstone houses. It's in North London, um, very close to, to Western. And my son, Michael, who went to Western, got to know a lot of people there and was very fortunate to engage with a sorority who were coincidentally looking to move from their existing <laughs> residence. And so we've got uh, 11 girls in our house uh, right now, and it's, it's worked out really well. Well, it sounds like Michael. He's a very charming guy. <laughs> got that from mom. mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so you end up with a sorority. And tell me, like, what type of responsibility does the sorority take as far as maintenance goes, as far as payments, you have to charge uh, each of the students that are in there, or do they look at the blanket rent and just break it down between all of the students and then just pay you? Well, the the beauty of a sorority is that they give us one check. And the second beauty of the sorority is that every year they fill the beds and our hope and their hope is, is that it'll be a long-term relationship. So Mm -hmm. if you think about, just a regular rental property, as soon as the tenants move out, be it a student or regular people, now you've got to go out and, and find a new tenant. You've got to vet them, make sure that their, yeah. uh, their credit rating is all good. So you run that sort of um, angst every time you have to switch tenants, whereas the, the sorority will fill the beds for you. And so that makes our lives a heck of a lot easier. Oh, sure does. Yeah. yeah, because it does the screening process for any tenant. Um, it's quite onerous, I find. Absolutely. And, you know, because we live in Toronto and obviously the properties in London, I mean, one of our options was to hire a um, uh, sort of a real estate manager, uh, a property manager. But they 
they, they charge a lot of money. So you, you typically in, in London, it was 6%. Kingston was 7% to manage the property. But then when you need to mm-hmm. uh, find tenants, that's an additional 6% uh, of, of uh, charge on your rental income. So that's you know, 12% that takes a big chunk out of your income. Oh, that's so we ended up doing, ending up doing it ourselves. Okay, so you, you, you have a, a whole house full of girls or young ladies. Mm-hmm. I know I was recently looking for a place for my son here in Toronto who's going to U of T in his second year. And we found a place, or we thought we found a place. And he wanted to rent with two of his buddies, two other uh, males, boys. And the agent who was representing um, the landlord in this particular case asked me, she says, um, are they girls or boys? When I told him that they were university students. And I said, well, you're not allowed to ask that. You know that. She, <laughs> she kind of like giggled like you did, right? And said, well, let me put it this way. My landlord prefers girls. Now, without having the Human Rights Commission come to your door, Jeff, um, who, do, who would you rather rent to? <laughs> well, I'll just blame you, Des, for leading me down the wrong path. But uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, there's, there's a reason why um, young men up to 25 years have to pay a higher car insurance rate than young girls. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, I, and, you know, so again, you could say, well, that's a violation of human rights, but it's statistically proven that young men get into more car accidents than, than young girls, and that's why they pay a higher premium. So uh, I don't know if that 100% translates into ho- uh, rental houses, but you know, my son has been to, Michael has been to a billion parties when he was at Western and the damage done at properties that were tenanted by boys was a lot more than girls. And that was sort of, uh, you know, the driving force to, to, to get uh, females if possible. Um, but, you know, our backup plans were if the, if the sorority didn't work out, we were looking at engineers, mm-hmm. uh, Ivy students, anyone who were, you know, hockey teams, basketball teams, be it, you know, male or female, because like-minded people, they could sit around. It's a great big living room, dining room scenario where you have, can have a boardroom. And uh, the previous tenants had five engineers in there and they just studied together. So, you know, that, there was that sort of uh, camaraderie that we were hoping to draw in that you could fill 10 or 11 beds in a house that, that would make it appealing for these different groups. But as I said, we lucked out and got the sorority. Yeah, you didn't. Well, <laughs> I guess the first thing I'm thinking about here is uh, the old movie National Lampoon's Animal House. <laughs> <laughs> and we saw what happened there. So if that's any indication of what boys do, um, oh boy. Okay. Um, you, I think you probably did luck out with the sorority. There. Yeah. I can just see John Belushi with his ladder going from window to window. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that, um, the charging of rent. So, I mean, you lucked out with the sorority, but your first scenario was to start charging, as they would say, charging per door. Right. Yeah. And what would the charge per door be in, let's say at Kingston, where you were looking at Queen's University and in London for Western University students? Yeah. So Kingston um, has a, commands a higher rent. So even if you're in the Queen's ghetto, you're getting somewhere between seven and a half and eight and a half a door. And I do that's know, hundred. Uh, yes, that's correct. Yep. And I do know that there are gusts up to a thousand or eleven hundred. Um, 
So, so you, you're obviously getting a much higher rent, but we also found, and I, as I said, I looked at a lot of houses online and the only two that were, um, I thought were appropriate for us, they were good sized bedrooms. It was a six bedroom house, mm -hmm. 800 bucks a door is what we estimated, $4,800, um, you know, six times 800. Um, and that had a decent cap rate of around five, but there were only two and they were gone before I could even consider putting a bid in. So, oh, yeah. uh, and then the rest of them were really not, not that great. And as obviously as the further you get away from campus and the, the, the rent you can command started to drop in London, uh, around Western, you're probably, can, you can probably get about six and a half. Yeah. Uh, per door. And then if you have to take a, a bus uh, up to the university, then Michael was paying five and then $510 per month. You know, obviously much different, um, uh, rent, but the prices of, of the properties themselves were much less. Okay. So it seems to work out a lot better. Like you said, that, um, a lot more affordable as far as the actual purchase price down in, in London versus Kingston. And, um, not everybody's going to get a sorority like you did but you know if they can start looking like you said about 650 dollars a door um and do their their numbers that way um then it sounds like it's a pretty good positive cash flow a pretty good investment i think so i mean obviously you have to crunch the numbers and, and make sure they work and, and you know prices keep going up so it's hard to say um and the the fellow you introduced me to in london and another terrific agent kyle henry um you know, he showed us a ton of properties. He even said, well, why don't we start looking out around Fanshawe? But I think one of the, the appeals of renting to students is that you never have empty beds. Mm. You know, they're, they're always in demand. And so my biggest concern was, well, what, what's, what's the take up going to be for Western for any university? And so I did an online search and found an article that said that uh, Queens and Western, despite COVID, had increases in their applications by 20 and 27 percent or something in that of that nature so you know we thought well geez if these university universities can still draw students despite covid hmm. then we should be okay and so we inherited half a dozen tenants and then obviously converted to the sorority but queens and western they they are just schools that draw students and so i think we're always going to be in good stead there in terms of rental and um you know, so when, when you look at your cap rates and so forth, um, you know, there's always two or three percent baked into yeah. uh, having to find tenants. And this that problem goes away when you have students because they're always coming in and you always get a 12 month uh, lease term. So you're not having a dead time. Well, that was going to be my next question. So you actually tie them up for 12 month leases. So even if they're not there, they go back home for, you know, their three or four months when school finishes uh, in the May, April. Uh, they're still responsible for the lease for the months that they're not there. That's correct. You know, I've put, the, well, two and a half kids through university and you, you just cannot find eight month leases. Um, you know, even I, and my cousin's got a couple of kids that go to Waterloo or, or has had to, you know, one graduate and one's still there. And they're always, you know, the big hassle with those co-op program programs is that you do four months of school and then four months of work term, but you've got to sublet or find a, somebody who's going to sublet to you. So it's a real pain in the rear end when you've got to keep doing that. So are you thinking of actually buying an investment property for your kids to live in in a university town? Well, before you do anything, 
it's best to get pre-qualified for a mortgage. And I recommend that you give Jason Georgiopoulos a call of Dominion Lending. Jason will get you the best rates and terms available. You can get in touch with Jason at jasong at dominionlending.ca. So before you started your search, you obviously went and got pre-qualified. And actually, by coincidence, you were actually pre-qualified by Jason Georgiopoulos at Dominion Lending. And he got everything all lined up for you before you went out and started the actual physical search. Uh, that's correct. And, and here's a tip for all you kids out there. Write this down. Whenever, whenever you're working with professionals, find a good one. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is get a good real estate broker, get a good mortgage broker. Uh, it's just like finding doctors, lawyers, contractors, whatever. If you get a lousy one, then you're going to have a world of headaches. And uh, Jason was fantastic. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what he suggested was he said, look, Jeff, you can get uh, a mortgage on the property, but the, the lender is going to look at it as a, a rental property and go, well, you know, that's higher risk for us. So we're going to charge you double of what the going rate is. So he suggested we Ooh, yeah. uh, put the mortgage on our, our family residence and, uh, you know, which is free and clear. And we were able to get a terrific rate uh, from Jason. Yeah, that's a great option. Eh? Instead of going through that, of, of, of placing that mortgage on the income property. Mm-hmm. Um. Property management, you know, somebody buying um, a property out of town, you know, if they say they're based in Toronto, like you are, and then you've got this place down in London, what do you do for snow shoveling, for property maintenance and all that other stuff? Well, as I said, you know, Michael, my son and I, we're currently doing it together. And so we look after all the issues and, you know, because we've just taken this over in October, so just uh, under a year ago, you know, we've, we've had to do a bunch of maintenance uh, things so i think one thing that any new um, owners got to look at is budgeting for maintenance and repairs that didn't crop up in your uh you know house assessment um so that's one thing so you probably double that budget uh but in terms of you know what you have to do we've we've got a really terrific contractor in london Mm-hmm. Uh, called Winmar. They've been really responsive. They've sent their tradespeople there on time to get all that stuff done. Um, and and then we just you know look at look and basically do a Google search to get lawn cutting done in the summer, uh, snow shoveling done in the winter. And then as long as you have people that you can send in, and really there are only two emergencies that have to that you want your tenant to go directly to the supplier, and that would be heating in the winter and plumbing. Yeah. You know, if the pipe bursts or something like that, what do you do? So, you know, we basically told the sorority that those types of emergencies, uh, you know, you can you have our permission to call them directly if it happens in the middle of the night, and then obviously mm-hmm. if there's a fire or something, you call nine one one. Yeah, but you seem to be forgetting something that you just told me about when we just had lunch. What was that, Des? <laughs> about the flood that you have in oh, the building yeah, right now. Flood. Yeah, that was. Uh... <laughs> Uh, well, an act of god yeah. all the rain and everything so tell us about that well, i'm gonna blame you for that too Des. <laughs> my fault yeah, my there fault. you go you, you can tell you're a married guy um yeah you know what i mean we just had a ton of rain in london and winmar said yeah jeff we can get people there but we've got over 200 cases it's been the worst flood in terms of, of having to get properties looked at obviously good for their business but um, you know, the water was coming in in the basement. The poor 
gals, one of them in the bedroom had geez, an inch to two inches of water on her floor. So, uh, oh boy. you know, Winmar was fantastic. They brought in, uh, you know, some, some pumps and stuff and, and sucked all the water up. But, uh, they said, well, you know what? You're going to have to get, uh, the floors replaced and the baseboards replaced. And obviously they've got to find where the leaks coming in and stuff. So, you know, not, not the best for the budget because you can run it through insurance and we'll have to see what the final damage is, uh, whether we'll choose to run it through insurance. But again, that goes back to my point is that if you think your maintenance budget is X, then you should make it two X because something's going to go wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that, you know, you never know what's going to happen, obviously. So what about that young lady? Did, uh, did the sorority move her up uh, to a higher level? Uh, you know, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, uh, I haven't uh, found out anything about that, but I do know that, uh, as I said, Wimar brought in all the gear. And I guess it's cleaned up the place enough that uh, they're they're able to remove it today. What do you think about, like, you know, as your as your your children are finished university and so on? What do you think? Would would you probably keep this property? I mean, you don't even have one living in it right now, but it is a straight investment. Um, what 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 are your plans? Is it um, you know, very is it long term? I think so, Des. And, you know, obviously things and circumstances can change, but it's a little bit like investing in the stock market. I mean, yeah, you can turn around and, and do a quick flip, but really the idea of investing in anything is, is, should be a long-term uh, time frame. Uh, you know, the good news is, again, A, we've got the sorority. They fill the beds every year. And B is that, more importantly, they're paying down the mortgage all the time. So uh, you know, if you hold it for 10, 20, 30 years, you're going to be sitting on a whole lot of money at the end of the, at the end of the, the day. So the plan would be long-term, but you never know. Yeah. So it's, it's real estate. So we really, really have to think long-term if you want to get that maximum return. I, I think so, Des. You know, again, there are people in the stock market and people in real estate who are able to flip and flip successfully. Uh, but I think the more prudent approach is if you, um, in, in mortgages, let the, let the tenant pay down the mortgage and, you know, stocks and, and uh, whatnot, you, you let the power of compounding uh, help your, your long-term um, success. So that, that's, uh, again, our plan. Okay, so just a couple of things to keep in mind. Somebody wants to get into student housing like this. Um, maintenance uh wear and tear on a property is always going to be a little bit more than your average uh you know downtown toronto condo for starters so you've got to uh like like you've said you know you 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 have to uh, account for all of that for starters um you have to be brave <laughs> right you have to be brave to be able to rent to students and uh, god bless all you people out there who rent to students to give them that chance um let's face it you know they're students can be students right kids can be kids and, and things are going to happen um but in the end you know it's as long as the whole place doesn't burn down then it's not it's not going to be that tragic and everybody lives through it everything everybody's going to be happy right I, I think so um you know I, so far the girls have been really respectful now, mind you they only had two or three of them in the house over the summer and now they've got the full complement of 11 and of course you know, once COVID gets lifted or, or um, restrictions are, are um, lessened, then if they start to have parties and so forth, I mean, God only knows what happens. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so one of the issues that came up was they said, well, you know, we inherited the house. We only had a couple of gals here over the summer. 
And now we're finding out that some of the sinks don't drain. And I think, you know, the previous tenants might have had something to do with that. Well, they're probably right. So that's true. Yeah. But now, if you have parties and so forth, instead of 11 people in the house, you have 100, mm-hmm. whatever, using the washrooms in the house. God only knows what's going to happen. So, you know, you've kind of got to be prepared for that, those uh, inevitabilities and kind of suck it up and just say, okay, let's look after it. It's a job. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So just to recap everything, what's your best advice about those people out there who are thinking of getting into this? Don't have kids. That's my advice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think it's it's absolutely worth the leap. Uh, I do think that anybody who is going to do it uh, has to go in with their eyes wide open. So you've got to do your homework, you know, literally compare 60, 70, 80 properties so that when you find the right one, you'll know, you'll have no regrets. And then I think that the, the thing, once you get into the property is you just got to be prepared for, well, like you said, floods uh, that happen, you know, it, stuff's going to happen. And unfortunately, if you don't have the sort of mentality that, uh, you know, bad things are going to happen on occasion and you have to deal with it. If you're sort of one of those people who really get upset by it, then, then don't invest in a, in a rental property because it will, it will have its moments of grief. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned earlier too, get pre-qualified, get the right professionals around you to help you through it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Des, just to, to pump your tires a little bit, I mean, you're one of the best in, uh, well, if not the best. And no. for you to introduce me to the professionals, uh, Wendy in, in uh, Kingston and, and Kyle in London, they are both fantastic. They're like you. They're responsive. They know their product. They know their areas. And, you know, if they don't know, they're smart enough and humble enough to go out and find the right the answers for you. And if you have those types of people, then your chances of success are, are far greater. Great. Well, Jeff, thank you very much. I really appreciate those kind words. And um, there you go. If you're thinking of getting into an investment property for student housing, uh, feel free to get in touch with me. I will connect you to the proper agent in whatever city you're thinking about and um, the proper professionals to help you get set up with financing and everything else. Jeff, thank you very, very much for joining us today on Soul in the Six and um, all the best with your student income property down in London. Thanks so much for having me, Des. Appreciate it. And that's our latest episode of Sold in the Six. And I'd like to thank my producers, Podcasts That Pop. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Sold in the Six and you'll start receiving new episodes automatically. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. My handle is Des in the Six. That's six spelt with the number six, I-X. You know, the cool way. And I also have a website. Check that out. It's in the inthesixrealestate.com. If you have a story idea or just want to get in touch with me, feel free to email me at des at desmondbrown.ca. I'm Desmond Brown. Until next time. <laughs>